I'll draw your attention back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's begin reading in verse 7. We'll read 7 through 17. Ephesians 5, 7 through 17. Therefore, do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light, and the Lord walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, to be brought once again to the Lord's Day where we might come before you in praise and adoration and worship you this morning, Lord. Oh, Lord, we look for wisdom from your word. Lord, may the Holy Spirit give us discernment, Lord, that we might walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, that we might understand what your will is. Lord, that we might understand what your will is for our lives. Lord, that we would be given strength to, to walk in a, in a way that is in accordance with your will, no matter what the difficulties that are set before us, no matter what obstacles are set in our way. The Lord, our main desire would be to please you and to walk according to your, to your will. Lord, that we might live our lives to glorify you and to honor you. Lord, in light of all that you have done for us, in saving us from death, from sin, from the power that that had over the old man, that you've set us free to serve you. And we thank you for that, Lord. May that always affect our walk. Lord, we pray that you just open up the word to us this morning. That you might speak through your word. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't really have uh, an introduction as we continue on. We're making our, our way slowly through Ephesians. And we find ourselves this morning really starting in verse 8, uh, kind of where we ended up last time. But uh, one of the things that Paul is dealing with here in this passage, uh, by way of implication of what he is, he is dealing with, is decision-making. Making decisions. I want you to have that in mind this morning as we work our way through this text. Uh, we as Christians, even as Christians, sometimes have difficulty in certain decisions about what we should do because we don't use that which God has given us in discerning what His will is for us. So we have difficulty in making decisions. This has to do with our walk as Paul describes it here in Ephesians, in this epistle, this letter. Sometimes things are difficult that shouldn't be difficult. Don't you find that in your life? Sometimes things are difficult that should not be difficult for us as Christians. Sometimes we're plagued more by the care of the world than we are about what pleases the Lord. Sometimes we also act as if we have all the time in the world 
to make the decision about what we are to do and reach a conclusion. Well, Paul addresses all of that here in the text this morning. So I encourage you to keep that in mind as we look at this scripture and Lord willing, we'll tie it all together in the end. Paul, we saw last week as we, as we finished up, just told us to walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were previously darkness, Paul says. Paul doesn't say you were in darkness. He doesn't say you were even children of darkness, although that is a, a phrase that is used elsewhere. But he says that they were darkness. They were darkness. Doesn't that fit with really the, the whole of Scripture and especially to what Paul has been dealing with here in Ephesians? as he described several times and in several ways the state of these Christians before they were made alive, before they were regenerate, before they'd been redeemed, the new birth had occurred in them. They were dead, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, as we've seen, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. They were darkness in a state that has no light. They had no hope without God in the world. They had no revelation, no vision. Darkness. They were darkness. But they were darkness. They were. Now they are a light in the Lord, Paul tells us. That is a powerful picture that Paul paints for us. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The glorious light of our Savior has shined on them. Dawn has come with it, and it come, and, and, and with this dawn has come the light. That where they can see to walk, to live. They can see to follow God. They can see what is pleasing to Him. They can see in what way He would have them to go. Life has come upon them through this light. Isaiah 9, 2. The prophet records for us, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep, not just darkness. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 in the New Testament, Paul tells us, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They were darkness. They are now light in the Lord. Does this not fit with all of Scripture? Old Testament and New Testament? And everything that Paul has been saying in this epistle. It's God who has done this by His grace which He's lavished upon us. He has done this. He has shown the light to His people. So Paul says in light of that, since he has brought us out of darkness, they were darkness, he's brought us out of darkness and into the light, walk as those who have this light. Walk as children of light. He goes on to explain then here in verse 9 where we'll pick up this morning. Something of what this walk looks like. He says in verse 9, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Is this not what we see in Ephesians 2 verse 10, if we look back at that? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The light has shined in our hearts. There is this new creation we talked about last week, and I think we've talked about this even before. There's this new creation with new desires bearing fruit of the light that has been that has shined upon us. The fruit of that light is all that is good and right and true. Good, right, and true. There's nothing good, nothing right, nothing true outside of the light. That is the fruit of light, not the fruit of darkness. These things, as, as we discussed last week, these things are opposites. They're, they're opposed, they're in opposition to each other, these things. They're opposites. In darkness, there is evil, the opposite of good. There is that which is unjust, the opposite of that which is just. And there is that which is false, in opposition to that which is true. Darkness, light. Do you see the difference there? That's what they were. They lived in. They were darkness. They lived lives that were summarized by what? Evil. Committing sin. Evil. That which is opposed to God. That which is unholy, unrighteous. That which God hates. The opposite of good. That which is unjust. Not dealing justly summarizes, characterizes the lives of those who are dead in trespasses and sins and that which is false. They were that. But now that light has come, now that light has shined upon them, they have the fruit of that light, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself, the one who is good and right and just. Goodness, righteousness, truthfulness. Hendrickson, who I've quoted before, and I'm sure we'll quote several times uh, as we move forward. Uh, he says, how does one know whether or not he is walking as a child of light? The answer is that light bears fruit. And this fruit will supply the needed evidence. The qualities of heart and life from which good works proceed are to be considered light or fruit. Paul mentions all goodness, a very general term, the opposite of all malice, from Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Such goodness is spirit-centered, excuse me, spirit-created, moral and spiritual excellence of every description. Another way, Hendrickson says, of looking at this goodness is to call it righteousness. The joy in doing what is right in the eyes of God, walking the straight path and never deviating from it. And still another description is truth. Integrity, reliability, over against the sham, falseness, and hypocrisy that characterize the old way of life in which these Ephesians had formerly walked. They had a different walk. Walking as children of darkness versus walking as children of light. I think the natural question then that arises is how do we know then what is good and right and true? How do we know? If this is the fruit that is born of, from being light in the Lord, and we are to walk exhibiting these things, where do we know where to find what these things are? So Paul goes right on and tells us in Ephesians 5.10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What is it that is good? It's what's pleasing to the Lord. What is it that is right? That which is in accordance with Christ. What is it that's true? Well, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. 
that which is true is that which is pleasing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul, in his epistle to the Colossians, states it very succinctly or concisely when he says in Colossians 1, 19 through 14. Colossians 1, 19 through 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Christians, Paul says, make every effort to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We'll come back to this, I hope, as we wrap up in in just a bit. So Paul continues then, having already stated what we are to do, he now states in verse 11 what it is that we are not to do. And once again, it's this concept of opposites. These things are in opposition to one another. We are to walk as children of light, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, in Ephesians 11 and 12, he tells us, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that are done in secret. I think you could take that in secret and a, a, another way of saying that were things that they do in darkness where it's hidden from view in secret, in darkness. Have nothing to do, says the apostle, with the unfruitful works of darkness. And we already know what these things are, don't we? Look at verse 3 through 5 as, as Paul has uh, in, in verse ch- chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. He's already stated this for us. But sexual immorality and all impurity and or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this. Remember, this is Paul's telling us. This is something that you may know for sure. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We talked last week, don't be deceived by what the world says about sin. Don't be deceived. They'll call good evil and evil good. Don't be deceived by that. This is what our Lord, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, has to tell us that these things are in opposition to what we should be as children of God. Have nothing to do, says the apostle, with the unfruitful works of darkness. We have so many examples in the Old Testament of the physical children of Israel having something to do, entering into cooperation, taking part in the fruit of, of this darkness, unfruitful works of darkness. They didn't heed the warning that the prophets gave them. We have a warning for us here in Ephesians 5, 7 from last time. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, he says in our text this morning, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things that they do in secret. In secret. The ramifications of this sin and entanglement with immorality, with impurity, with covetousness, with idolatry, uh, 
the ramifications of this are disastrous. Think about what happened in the lives of the children of Israel over and over and over again. Defeated, enslaved, fell into idolatry, to worship of idols, all manner of disaster by working in cooperation with these unfruitful works of darkness. These sexual sins and idolatrous behavior that are opposed to that which is good and right and true. How many times? How many times did they not heed the prophet's warnings? How many times must a judge be sent to Israel? Well, these proved one of two things. In the children of Israel, as we look back to the Old Testament, either they were not really God's people, that there was a portion of this physical children of Israel who were not really God's people. There was always a remnant. Thank the Lord, there was always a remnant. But there were some who were circumcised according to the flesh, but their heart remained uncircumcised. They worshipped Him with their lips, but their heart was far from Him. And they entered into accord with the unfruitful works of darkness. Or, there were some that were seriously mistaken at the time. They had fallen into grievous sin, and the Lord brought them to repentance. And then they turned, and they fled from their sin. One of two things. Well, Paul says that these, these things, fruit and unfruitfulness, cannot meet in the middle. They are not, there's no common ground here. They cannot exist together. And he says to expose them for what they are. There are shameful. These things are shameful even to speak of these things that are done in secret. Expose them. Well, how am I to expose them? How do you expose that which is in secret? How do you expose that which is in darkness? You can see, once again, even before we get to this question, where Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit to lead us. What the Spirit of God has given him to, to write. There is this contrast that he has been setting up. Really, all through this whole letter, there is this contrast that he is setting up, that he is writing to these believers in Ephesus to show them something. And it is here in this fifth chapter that he sets up this contrast between darkness and light. And so he says to expose these evil works, these unfruitful works of, of darkness, how? How? How is the believer to expose these things? Well, how do you expose anything that's in darkness? You shine light into darkness. We have gone to great pains in our physical lives to create instruments and gadgets and, and whatchamajigs to produce light. Why do we do that? We do this in almost every facet of our lives, don't we? What do you do when you first wake up in the morning? You go turn on the light. Why? Because I don't want to stub my toe on the dresser or the bed or anything else that I can't see in the darkness. Even though I've walked that way a million times, I still need light. I still need light. What do you do when you get in the car at night? It's even a law that you must do this. You must turn on the lights. Why? So that you can be seen and so that you can see. We turn on the light. These things, if we would just think on them for just a moment, even in some small way, they become an illustration for what Paul is teaching us here through the Scripture. These physical things that we do every day, what do we have on all around us here this morning? We have light. Why? So we can see. 
so we can know what is before us. Paul says in verse 13 here, that when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. He's saying that the realm of sin, the realm in which evil dwells, is a realm of darkness. It is in that darkness that sin can hide. And the reality of what sin truly is can be obscured and clouded by our inability to see it for what it is. We would not recognize sin had light not shined on us to make sin in our own lives visible, leading us to repent of that sin, to turn to Christ, and to seek salvation from that sin. When the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines on the unfruitful works of darkness, the works are exposed and naked so that we may see them for what they rightly and truly are. Let me once again try and illustrate how this works. How many times, I I assume most everybody here has been to a concert or a theater production or a play or something. We're very creative with the way that we use light in situations like that. We use dimly lit lights and we use uh, even things that block light in certain areas so that we can make things appear a, a certain way. They use this trick in film and in theater and, and, and stuff like that all the time. You can look from a distance under these conditions, and the people that are up on the stage can look flawless. Young. No, no flaws. But then, when intermission hits, or the show is over and all the lights come on, and you come up to the stage and you see these people for what they are, they look totally different. Every flaw is visible. Every age line is visible. What is it that exposes that? It's the light that exposes that. This is what Paul is saying here. You cannot hide in darkness when light shines into that darkness. Everything becomes visible. You see it for what it is. There's no hiding anymore. There's a reason that as we talk and, and we, we've come up with expressions that we use in the English language, there's a reason that we have the expression that something comes to light. Because we now see it as it is. When anything is exposed to light, it becomes visible. We see the truth of what's there. There's no hiding it. The light has shined on it, and it is exposed. Verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul then quotes here from what some believe was a a hymn sung by the early church in the first century. And it could quite possibly be that. This this may have been the the text of a hymn, but I believe that if the the early church in, in this time period was singing that hymn, it would have been based on Scripture. And I think what we actually have here is, is Paul not necessarily quoting a, a passage from the prophet Isaiah, but he is alluding to that passage. And it's Isaiah 61 through 2. The prophet Isaiah, <clears throat> chapter 60, verse 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. You see how that relates to what Paul is saying here? 
Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The Lord, Isaiah says, will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Paul is saying that as Christians, we must not sit idly by. We must not be content to slumber. Arise from the darkness and the deadness that surrounds you. The deadness and the darkness of the culture and the society and the world in which we live. Is there any way to better name what it is than darkness? Isn't that what he tells us in just a little bit? The days are evil. They're darkness. Arise. Christ will shine on you. His light will shine on you. And in alluding to the prophet Isaiah who we just read, His glory will be seen upon you. And it is that glory, the glory of the Lord, it is that light that shines in the dark world. Christ Himself said in Matthew 5.14 to believers, You are the light of God. The world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Why can't it be hidden? Because it's the light of the world. You see, it's not our light that shines. This light doesn't come from us. From our holiness, our righteousness, our goodness, our truth. It comes from Christ. It's the light of Christ that has shined into the believer's heart. It is Christ who has shined on us that we may reflect His truth, His righteousness, His goodness in this dark world. Dr. Donald Barnhouse, some of you may have heard of him. He was the pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, I think from 1920-something to the 60s. So 20th century, early to mid-20th century, um, great minister of God's Word. Uh, He said, when Christ was in the world, this is the way he illustrated this, when Christ was in the world, He was like the, the, the shining sun. When the sun sets, the moon comes up. The moon is a picture of believers, the church, The church shines, but not with its own light. It shines with reflected light. It is in this way, then, that light shines in the world through believers and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the preaching of the word and the ministry of believers in the world that is used to expose these unfruitful works of darkness that Paul describes here in this text. Now, I want to say one thing since we're touching on the light here that Paul speaks of when he says, Arise, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We must be aware that this light continues to shine from our Lord upon His people. Continues to. One one of the commentators talked about um, someone he had heard of, a pastor had bought his wife a, a box of some sort that glowed in the dark. It was supposed to produce light. And they sat it in their room and no light came from it at all. They couldn't figure out, well, it must be faulty. And then the wife picked it up and turned it over and read to place it in the light. It had to be charged by the light. Well, this is the way that believers, we must be constantly exposed to the light of the gospel, to Christ's light, so that we might show forth that light being reflected from us. But one thing that we have to understand is as that light, and we're exposed to that light, charged with that light, so to speak, so that we might shine, it also shows our defects. It shows our sin. It shows those areas where we are not doing what is pleasing to the Lord. We are not living according to what is right, what is true, what is, what is good. 
constantly being exposed to that light will also show where we have fallen short. And what are we to do but to repent, to cry out to the Lord, beg for more mercy, more grace, so that we might be given victory even over those things. That we might flee from those sins. Paul then arrives at writing these words to the church here in Ephesus and to every true church that exists from the time that this was written till the time to the last time. We're all united as we read in one body, right? All united in one body. These words are to us as well. He says in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then he follows up in verse 16 with making the best use of time because the days are evil. Days are evil. Paul is telling us to be careful in our walk. Look at the way you walk. Look at, look at the way in which your feet are going. Don't walk as the fool who says there is no God. Walk instead in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Setting your feet in a wise direction. Following a wise path so that you may arrive at your destination. Don't walk as the fool. Don't, don't be meandering around, aimless, careless, wasting your time. We don't have time to waste. Number one, our days are numbered, are they not? They're numbered. We don't know what they are. We're blessed if we reach 70. Anything above that is further grace, is it not? But we don't know. My father-in-law used to say that the, the old must die and the young may die. You don't know. Your days are numbered. Secondly, our days are few. Even if we live to the ripe old age of 100, that is a few days in contrast to eternity. And the days are evil in which we live, are they not? It's easy to be blindsided if we weren't walking in wisdom. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I remember as a young boy going when we lived in Livingston, Montana, we had a kind of a favorite hiking spot. We went to Yellowstone National Park a lot, but when we had family there or something like that, we would always go to a place that's called Pine Creek Falls or Pine Creek Falls, as we called it when we lived there. Place fairly close to uh, Livingston and Paradise uh, Valley, just south of Livingston, Montana. And on one of these trips, we were hiking along on the path, and my sister was walking and wasn't watching where she was going. And she stepped right on a rattlesnake. That's a scary thing, is it not? Stepped right on a rattlesnake. She wasn't looking carefully how she walked. You see, there's danger even in the right path. There's danger. There are things that would seek to do us harm. Our, our enemy, our enemy goes forth like a lion. Now, he's a lion on a chain, but he's still a lion seeking whom he might devour. There are things that would do us harm, things that would trip us up, things that would slow us down. And then there are those things that are off the path. It's easy to be enticed to go away from where we are going, away from the right path. Have you all read Pilgrim's Progress? If you haven't, strongly suggest that you do such. John Bunyan's character, he goes on a journey as he fled the city that he lived in, this evil city, this sinful city called the City of Destruction. And he was on a journey through to the celestial city, to heaven. He's on this journey. And he's walking on his way 
to the celestial city. This whole book is an allegory of the Christian's life and the walk that Paul is talking about right here. Christian and his traveling companion, Hopeful, are on this journey, and they're enticed to leave the way in which they were walking and go through a place called Bypath Meadow. It's enticing. It looks a little easier. The path is maybe a little bit more level. The steps aren't so hard. Looks good. Hopeful even asks. Hopeful asks, but what if this easy path should lead us out of the way? He asks that. And Christian responds, that's not likely. Look, it goes right alongside our path. Then they meet a man as they went down to Bypath Meadow named Vain Confidence, who they followed. Vain Confidence went on ahead of them, and night came. Darkness came. They lost sight of him, and Vain Confidence, not seeing where his feet were going, fell into a deep pit and was dashed to pieces. And then things started to change for, for uh, Christian and faithful, or hopeful. That which had once looked to be a path that traveled alongside the right way came to be something quite different. The evil and danger of this way began to become apparent. It started to storm. It started to rain. Things just kept on getting worse until Hopeful groaned within himself, Oh, that I had remained on my way. To which Christian replied, Who could have thought that this path would have led us out of the way? Christian and Hopeful then come to meet the owner of Bypath Meadow, Giant Despair. A man named Giant Despair who charged them with trespass and threw them down into a dungeon and beat him, beat them. It was then that Christian cried, What a fool I have been to thus lie in this stinking dungeon when I could have been free. Look carefully how you walk. The apostle urges, not as those who are unwise, but as wise, make use of the time allotted for you. Redeem the time. Use up every second of it for that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true. For the days in which we live are evil. Don't waste the time given to you to run the race that is set before you. Look to the goal. Look to the finish line. There is light to see the finish line. And who is there? Jesus Christ, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I don't think I ever heard a dying man wish he had spent less time thinking about what pleases God. But I've heard of numerous men who had wished they had spent more time. More time. More time in the way. More time walking in the light. I think most of you know about Robert Murray McShane. I've spoken about him many times uh, he had a wax seal. I think I've mentioned this to most of you. He had a wax seal that he would seal letters and correspondence that he would prepare and write. And because he knew the days were evil, and our time in this world was short, especially he knew that his time was short, and he died at 29. He designed a seal that had a sun setting behind a mountain. This sun coming down and setting behind a mountain. I've shown some of you what it looked like. If you haven't seen it, I'll be happy to show you. 
It's something that I looked everywhere for, read about it in books, and nobody seemed to know where it was out of everybody that I asked. And I finally had a researcher at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland find some of his correspondence and find this seal. On this seal with the setting sun were written these words, The night cometh. From John 9.4 When Christ said, We must work the works of Him who sent us, sent me, while it is day, the night is coming when no man can work. McShane knew. He knew that we must make the best use of time. Some translations say redeeming the time, buying it back, spending it all for that which is good and right and true, making the best use of time. Why? Because our days are evil. The days in which we live are evil. I'd love to go on. But that'll have to wait till next Sunday. I want to try and tie up something that I think is very practical that I believe goes right to the heart of what Paul is addressing here. I hinted at this last Sunday and I want to make sure that we touch on this. He keeps bringing up this concept of the walk. Uh, he mentions it four times in this brief uh, passages here. He mentions it in chapter 4, verse 1, in chapter 4, verse 17, in chapter 5, verse 8, and in chapter 5, verse 15. And it's all in relation to the manner in which we conduct ourselves, how we face life, how we do things, how we direct our steps, our steps so to speak. In other words, this goes back kind of to what we began with. In any given situation as it relates to life, decisions, interactions with others, how and what is the child of God to do? How do I know how to walk worthy of the calling to which I've been called? How do I conduct myself as a Christian, not as the Gentiles do in the futility or emptiness of their minds? How do I walk in love? How do I walk in wisdom? How do I direct my feet as I walk through this world? How do I walk as a child of light in a dark world, in a world in which evil reigns? Isn't that what we're exhorted to do in this epistle here? Do you remember what we read in our congregational reading? Psalm 119. Psalmist tells us in verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the way. According to the word, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A light to walk by as we live in a world that is summarized and characterized by evil and darkness. It's a light. Remember what Paul said in verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Are you walking through life without shining a light on the way in which you are walking. Are you doing that? Are you walking in darkness, in a world that is full of darkness, in in a time of evil, without shining a light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ, on your path? If you're lost, you are. No doubt. If you've not been saved by grace, you are walking in that way. If that's you, then you must run to Christ. 
He is the light. And that light is the Word of God. And we come to know Him through the written Word of God. That is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 1. John tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness. And what does He say? And darkness has not overcome it. If you don't have light in your life, you must run to the light. Run to Christ. For the Christian, though, what does this mean? It means that we don't have to guess about what to do. We don't have to wonder and stand not sure of where we're going. I don't have to waste my time in indecisiveness. I have a light to shine on everything so that the way may become clear. The Word of God should be that light for us. In a world of darkness and evil days where the darkness is everywhere around us, we have a light to shine so that we might walk with confidence. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. To use a physical analogy, it's like carrying a flashlight around in the darkness. And everywhere you go, that light is made to shine so that you may discern what is pleasing to the Lord and to walk in that way. When the light shines and shows something to flee from, when the light shines and shows you what sin is, and shows you sin for what it truly is, when the light shines and exposes the unfruitful works of darkness, you do not go walking in that way. If your job, if your friendships cause you to live in sin and do those things that we read about earlier in Ephesians, you flee from them. If it's not a problem with you and something that you can correct through bringing yourself into alignment with what is God's will, then you flee from those things. When you see in the light that there's an obstacle in the way, you are able to go around that obstacle without being tangled up by it. How often do we get tangled up in our lives in things that if we just would have shined the light of the gospel onto that situation, we would have gone around them. And if you've done that, you've what? You've made the best use of time. You've not been stuck in the dungeon under the, 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 the prison run by giant despair, beaten and crying, oh, what a fool I've been. Able to discern the way by the light. Walk in this way that the light of the Lord, that the light of His Word shines before you. His Word is what makes clear to us what is pleasing to Him. Light is always showing us that. And the light doesn't change. What is pleasing to Him doesn't change. His standards don't change. You will find that nowhere else. If you're living according to the standards of what pleases the world, you'll never, never measure up because it's always changing. And it's always evil. And it's always darkness. Twice over in Proverbs in 14.12 and 16.25 we read, There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is the way to death. This is the way of our day. Do what seems right to man. Do what seems right in your own eyes. Go look. Go read Judges. 
There's a, there's, there's a generation that arose who did what was right in their own eyes. And go read what happened to them. Every sin that you see that Paul dealt with here in Ephesians 5, verse 3 through 5, you see pop up. Because they did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't do what was pleasing to the Lord. They didn't use the light to walk by. Isn't this what is typified for us even in the nation of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt? This, this darkness, this slavery, this bondage in Egypt? They didn't know which way to go. They didn't know when to start out, when to stop, which direction. So God did what? pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them. To lead them. Romans 13, 12-13 says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. The light has shined in your hearts if you are a child of God. The light of Christ has shined upon you. The light of the gospel is to be the light in which you walk. So then let us walk properly as in the daytime. As in the bright light. Then in verse 17, here in our text, we read, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In light of all this, you have the light of God's Word. The light of Christ has been given to you and is shining upon you. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what pleases Him. Shed the light of the gospel of God's Word into every area of your life. Discern by the Word what is the will of the Lord. What is the way in which you should walk? Test everything by the Word of God to see whether it is according to His will and according to what pleases Him. This is wisdom. This is the opposite of foolishness. Is this the way you walk? Is this your practice? You'll be called ignorant, intolerant, a bigot. Everything around you as you shine the light of Jesus Christ in every area of your life, everything around you will fall under that light. Everything around you will. It's going to be exposed and the world will hate you for it. It hated Christ for it. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than light, because their works are evil. People don't want their evil ways exposed. But that's what light does. Look at what is going on today if you need any indication of that. Look at what, what is being done to cover up works of evil, works of darkness. There is a hostile reaction when light shines on those areas. But we as Christians, what the world thinks of us means nothing compared to what pleases God and what is glorifying to God. Don't be foolish and care about what people think or what people call you. Instead, be wise understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't care about those, the will of those who sit in darkness. Care about the one who is light. Who is light. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word.
We thank you for the direction that it gives us, the light that it shines. Lord, help us to live in that light. Lord, help us to live in the Word. Help us to be constantly in the Word that we might uh, find that it truly is a, a way by which we might see what is pleasing and honoring to You, the way which we should go. That it would be a lamp to us and a light to us, that we would shine with Christ's light, a city on a hill that is unable to be hidden for the light that shines. Lord, give us grace and mercy. Bless us this week. It's in your precious and holy Son's name we ask these things and we pray and we have full confidence. Amen.